Okay, what about this? Here's a tough ethical one. Would you tell a source that you love them? Just to get some information. Yes. Yes. Me too. Sure. You bet. Jennifer didn't know there was an alternative. But <laughs> <laughs> right, here's a good one. They allow us to have cameras at an execution in Florida. Do you broadcast tape of the guy in the chair when they turn on the voltage? Sure. Why not? Absolutely. You bet. Nothing like wrestling with a moral dilemma, is there? Listen to the story. Left a good job in the city. Working for the man. Hi and welcome to the Only Movie Podcast. This is Andrew. This is Damon. This is Douglas. And uh, like the song, we continue to roll through this COVID shenanigans as the podcasts continue. I need to find more ways to say that we're doing COVID podcasts rather than just trying to make puns on songs. But I've always been bad at that, right, Damien? Uh, no, I uh, refuse to answer this question. I plead, whatever it is, we plead in Jamaica. <laughs> you just plead the chapelle. You plead the fifth. Yeah, yeah. One, cool. two, three, four, fifth. <laughs> uh, I miss chapelle. <laughs> um, I think a lot about chapelle sometimes, and specifically about that show. <laughs> you think a lot about chapelle sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Leave me alone, Douglas. My grammar is perfectly. Um a hundred percent. It works. What was that line? It works all the 60% time. percent of the time, it works all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that movie so fucking much. Um and it saddens me that my wife hates Will Ferrell. So what? I don't watch that movie as much. You know what? It's because she's, she's been bad for Will Ferrell. Like I understand. Recent Will Ferrell. Not good. Will Ferrell since I guess maybe 2010, somewhere around there. Not good. But oh boy. I think I think guy. the good delimiter is the other guys. Once you hit the other guys, you can kind of see the fall off. I don't remember exactly what year the other guys was. It might have been like a 2012-ish year. Yeah, maybe 2012, somewhere around there. Um, but whatever. Anyways, um Chappelle. I think about him a lot sometimes. Um <laughs> Um, and specifically that show and hearing him talk about the end of that show when you know there was the whole Africa runaway and like not doing not taking the money and specifically the concept of him doing the show he did which we found hilarious a lot of people enjoyed but I heard I hear stories where you hear him saying that one day he just went to sit in a viewing room and someone laughed the wrong way at one of the jokes and he's like, oh shit, maybe I'm doing it the wrong way. <laughs> um, and you know, I think about that concept a lot of times. The, the the idea where you you don't know if someone is laughing with you or at you at some right. of these jokes, mm-hmm. right? If they see the humor you're seeing or if right. they are just the problem side of the humor. And yeah, that comes to mind sometimes watching some stuff. Um, but yeah, 
random thought of the day. <laughs> <laughs> that was leading nowhere. Hell of a um, way to start a podcast. We are here. <laughs> we are here this week. Uh-huh. Um, leading off of that to talk about concepts, ideas, and looking into things that are happening at the time, hoping that everyone sees it the exact same way, or maybe they don't. Um, talking about the 1969 film Medium Cool, directed by Haskell Wexler. Innocence is a feeling. Awareness is a feeling. How does it feel to stop feeling? You may discover violence at a time when an entire country learns to feel nothing. America's wonderful. Wonderful, 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 um and i was just m- wanting to know more about what this movie is having read a lot about it i had put this off as a movie to watch and eventually i did the thing damien does constantly i just said fuck it to force myself to watch it let's make the podcast movie um especially i thought it would play well in the middle of our measles films that we're talking about um so the film is specifically about the character of John Caselis, who is a television cameraman reporter who is out finding news. And specifically, it is around the time of the 1968 Democratic National Convention, which it leads up to. The, the film follows, follows um, John and his, and his adventures, you could call them, trying to go and get news and specifically kind of looks at not just the stories, the the violent stories um, that the movie basically sells itself on, the violence that comes around the Democratic National Convention, but the stories that lead up to it in which he's kind of trying to view all angles, um, which, I mean, I think that's like a Jamaican TV program about news. So, you know, that's, that's something. Um, so, you know, he it's not just him covering the National Convention, but it's him covering car crashes. It's him co- trying to get human interest stories um, in, in the communities. It's him trying to find out what's going on with the actual politicians that are going into these conventions and how all of these things mix together and how he is basically trying to he views it as reporting the news in a objective manner, but I feel so that this film spends so much time attempting to, to make question whether he is actually being objective in his own sense. Um, the, the one thing that I, that I, well, actually let me not say one thing, cause it's not one thing. The things that I, disliked about this movie because there are many things i disliked about this movie um i feel all stem from what i like to call even though this movie comes out in 1969 all of the all of the things that i know movies from the 70s to be strong in and i feel this movie like if i had probably 
properly done like a lineage of like what this movie influenced and what it worked on um i would sort of be able to say like it makes sense because this did all of these other 70s movies before the 70s movies did it um but it feels almost like this um mind fuck of a of a um story of many people it has the story of john as he's going through his um his reporting career and then it hard cuts to the story of eileen and her children this impoverished family in chicago who are just kind of there for a long time you don't even understand what their connection to the story is until later in the movie and not even in a what i would consider an interest an intriguing way there are a lot of ways that movies have these um multi-stories go on for a long period of time before they actually converge into making into understanding why we're looking at these other stories um this movie does not take that route it it actually actively takes the opposite route i think the first time we actually see um the children whose name i've names i've forgotten right now um we see them on a train and it's almost as if a hard cut from john like shooting um these young white voters asking them about politics to just switching to these children for no reason and then we come back to john talk interviewing these um these young voters and you kind of feel like almost the director had had too many drugs that morning and didn't know how to edit things together correctly. But at the same time, I understand that he intended that at this point, watching the whole movie, he intended that for a reason. I just don't like those reasons. Right. Um, the, the other thing, and I, I leave it here after this, that I disliked a lot about this movie is there is a surrealness to this movie that feels almost aloof beyond beyond approach. There is there is this idea of the way the film is edited there are there are some transitions i fucking love in this movie there's one where you're in a club and he's like hanging out with this woman and then it cuts to them being in bed making love and like it's hard for me to watch a movie this much that i did not like but then see transitions like that i want to basically stand up and applaud to this movie and be, and then sit down and be like oh wait i'm not liking this movie um but it's there. The, the way this movie just kind of deals with its ideas. And then like a lot of movies like this that I feel the only filmmaker I can put this akin to in this respect is one that Damon and I continue to argue about. Um, less so today is the one Mr. Spike Lee, where he feels like he puts in so much work to like explain his points in a wonderful manner but then on top of that he's like all right cool for the rest of y'all who didn't get it i'm going to tack on 20 more minutes to like clearly explain this system to you um and that's what i felt like the ending of this movie was to me where i kind of figured the way this movie was going as to what wexler wanted to get to which is the idea of the news coming into our rooms into our homes and 
showing us all of this violence in I guess we could talk about um Nightcrawler in the way that that movie talks about the ambulance chasers that those characters are um but in this movie like it's very much it's very much like it's the same actions but they don't feel like they have the same effect for a long time in this movie and then when we get to the end of this movie it feels like it becomes dreamlike in a way that, and I'm going to throw out another director name, um, in a way that only Terry Gilliam would, where the, hey, movie, hey, 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 the hey. movie's audio and the movie's video are two different movies, Still right? Where, <laughs> where he is like, he's like explaining the end of the story in the audio through a newsreel, through a news broadcast. And the video is completely different, which is explaining, which is showing us the visual of the thing Wexler is trying to kind of point to, which is um, almost the the apathy that a news crew has in watch in portraying and and generating the news, and it is infuriating to see the movie just kind of stamped down on its own concept like that. Um, but Lord geez, like this movie is hard. It is rough. It is. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'd call it medium cool. If I want to make a punny title, it's a. It's a not cool. <laughs> if I want to be. If I want to be really bad at this shit. <laughs> wow, not cool, Andrew. Wow. Yeah, that's it's pretty not, good. Yeah, man. This movie. This movie is. What, what was that old Brad Pitt movie where he was like in a cartoon for ninety percent of it? I think cool was in the title. I've forgotten the name right now. <laughs> um cool world is what i'm thinking of um yeah whatever um i'm happy i finally watched it i'm sorry i put you guys through it because i'm sure i'm going to hear some things um, <laughs> um but yeah this this is a movie where i feel like in concept i appreciate a lot of things but i did not like watching this movie in any way there's a scene halfway through it where peter boyle is like a a gun the owner of a gun store yeah and it's kind of like that's one of those things where i don't know if it's just that the movie being what it is like when that pops up in the middle that scene like you kind of just enjoy how dumb that scene is and you're like oh that's cute and you kind of hold on to that until the movie's over (laughs) um oh i forgot about that scene (laughs) that's right and he's just telling the woman, like, no, just don't, like, he's fixing the gun. And he's, like, telling the guys, you know, the usual spiel, you know, you have to, you have to learn how to get a, use a gun and you'll be a good person with a gun. Um, so, Douglas, um, I won't go to Damien yet because Damien, he knows everything about the news. So he didn't learn anything new in this movie. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Um, Douglas, <laughs> Douglas how, how much did you hate this movie? Let me count the ways. <laughs> Andrew, I, I'm going to find it very difficult to talk about this movie for a number of reasons, but the main one really being that I don't understand what is happening. I would put me watching this movie, my experience watching this movie, as akin to me auditing a class in college uh, of, say, 
I don't know, rocket science, where the teacher is saying words to me in English, but you know, so 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 the the scenes are flowing over me, and people are 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 moving around as if they're real people, but it just doesn't make it doesn't click. It it's said in English, but when you're talking about uh, terminal velocities and uh, you know uh, bullet time, gun entries, and all sorts of like technical terms, you you then no longer you, you can no longer connect from point a to point b and you just get lost in the middle or somewhere and that's that's how i felt about this movie this movie just didn't really it, it, it make any sense uh so i honestly don't even know how to attack critiquing this movie or or even describing this movie but what i will do is read a couple of my notes. Started watching this movie, and I'll just read them out in order. Uh, my first note here is they made a documentary with actors. Uh, then the next one was, is this movie about anything? With about five question marks. And it was unfortunate because at first, at least, I thought I had it knocked, right? That first scene actually can be extrapolated into a film. The first scene, it opens on, and you mentioned the movie Nightcrawler already, and actually that's what I have in my notes, uh, to say that I thought this movie would be something akin to Nightcrawler, but it doesn't seem so. Because this movie opens with the main cameraman, the main, sorry, the main actor uh, who plays a cameraman. I don't know his real name, but I know who he is. He's like, he's a fairly big actor. Um, he was in your Robert Forster, right? most Robert famously what? Max Cherry in Jackie Brown. That's what I just said. Yes, Robert what? Robert Forster. Robert Forster. Uh, he is out there filming a crash. It is clear that the people in the crash are still alive because they are moaning, and he gets into his car after he's done and says, "You know what?" we should probably call an ambulance and drives off. So it starts there. And so you can extrapolate and say, oh, maybe this is some sort of movie about the apathy of the society and how we want everything on our screens. And I think it tries to get there, but also there's so many other things mixed together in a way that is not at all cogent that makes this a chore but also makes it literally incomprehensible uh this movie <laughs> sorry i just read another one of my notes which says this movie has nothing to do with the people in it <laughs> i i just could not make the connection you're not wrong yeah right? i couldn't make the connection between the people and what the movie was doing and what it was trying to 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 say and the thing is right and actually we're going to talk about another movie here today and i feel like this could be said for that movie but i feel like and 
this movie, the way that it's filmed, feels like it's not the only one that this guy's done this way. And so it feels like this is a sort of movie where I am the problem and I need to learn how to watch these kind of movies. Uh, What I will say is this. I do have one good thing to say about this movie. I didn't mind the music. In particular, there is a guitar-heavy instrumental that sounds like it could have been in a Tarantino movie or perhaps even a movie like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas that was very catchy, very good. I will listen to that. But this movie was all over the place. At one point, I actually thought I understood what where it was going to go, but it didn't even go there because there was uh, one of its many digressions where this fellow ended up in... Uh, an, uh, an apartment with um, so one of the news stories he runs is a black guy finds some money in a taxi. I think he's actually the taxi driver and returns it and almost gets arrested for returning the money because, of course, it's his fault. Yeah, uh, for stealing the money in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And he's following up. And a lot of his friends or acquaintances or whatever it is are in that apartment and essentially hold hostage the cameraman and his sound guy until the sound guy like escapes. <laughs> and there are some shots of the folks talking to the camera and talking about you know the situation. Uh, I guess, you know, examples of of issues like the taxi driver getting into trouble for being a good Samaritan. And I thought it was maybe going to go down that road of these are some issues we need to tackle, but it didn't even do that. And I tried, and I wonder if I need to do more research, but I even tried to, to read up about this movie. And I got upset and stopped because when you read about this movie, People are out there on the internet trying to explain this movie like it makes sense, like it has. And this is why I've always wanted to watch this movie because (laughs) I've always understood it from the explanation of what people wrote about it. So I'm like, this movie must be fantastic, right? Um, But like you bring up that scene, Douglas, and I want to talk about that scene because I feel like that scene was very important to how I read the movie. Now, once again, I want to make this clear. There are things that I feel I understand about the movie. I still don't think I like this movie. I want to make that clear before I go down this argument. <laughs> um, I have to tell you, when you started talking about this movie, I was very worried. It sounded like you liked it a lot. <laughs> um, you know, in, you know, in like you, you watch a TED talk and you're like, you have good thoughts, but <laughs> I never would listen to this TED talk again. That's kind of how I feel about this movie somewhat, where I'm like, you have thoughts. I don't think you made like the best movie with those thoughts, but you have thoughts. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so like w- when this movie ends and wraps up, like it, it sort of makes everything kind of congeal for me, but the, it, that scene specifically, the, the good Samaritan scene, like I think that scene kind of brought up um, the, the concept of not necessarily the, the news is, uh, the news's um, role in portraying people in certain ways, but watching how 
people are rejecting the news itself. So you have you have the character who basically he's telling you that he won't do he won't use his name. Like you can tell me the story, but I'm, you can't you can't like use my name or any of that because he doesn't want to be a target, right? Um, I think of it sort of akin to like people winning the lottery and not wanting to actually show who they are who won the lottery. It's a me, um, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the the thing about it is that when you see those things going on and you see the way that the news is hounding him because they know that it's a better it's a better interest story for like the person selling the paper or 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 putting on the news and selling advertisements um, rather than him saying what are what are the things that the news should be showing right you can see how that system of the news exists um and i think scenes like that help especially to the point where you see all these other people like offering to like be a story for this guy but he he's trying his best to book the book out of the room because he knows that story won't sell right even if it's about the right things it's about the 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 current movements going on in the world with the with the black communities and how these people are being torn down as opposed to a story about a guy just returning some money and having some trouble right and i like the movie for those scenes but also i don't like this movie i want to make that very fucking <laughs> but yeah you know but back to the point about how people portray this on the internet where move, shitty movies like this can pretend to be good if you read even it's this movie's wikipedia page it talks about uh, a devastating story of a cameraman who is fired from his job, or rather, who has a burgeoning career, finds out that his the things that he films are being leaked to the FBI so that the FBI can, I guess, arrest people? Yes. Because of that, he protests. He doth protest and gets fired. And then through his own grit and pulling himself by his sh- by his coat shoot st- shoestrings or bootstraps Bootstrap. gets gets a a job filming the DNC and then something 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 and now I watched this in the, uh, sorry I read this in the middle of the movie because I needed somebody to explain while I was watching it what I was watching this is how fucking bad this movie is uh, and I had to stop because that, what I just described, did not happen. This movie is so... If I were to give it a style, if I were to call it a style, a genre, I would call it staccato, right? Because this movie stops and starts and actually, no, it, it's almost like a PowerPoint presentation. Similar to something else I'm going to say about another actually, movie. Actually, you know what you remind me of? You remember this movie you made us watch a while back called Alice Alice Doesn't Live? No, it's not Alice Doesn't Live. It's oh, Alice yeah, yeah, in yeah, Restaurant yeah. or something Restaurant. like that. Yeah. No, yeah. everything you're about to talk about is kind of mm-hmm. what I wrapped into the problems of movies from the 70s. Yeah. Like I feel movies from the seventies, especially movies like this. Like I'm, I'm throwing out, I'm throwing away the movies like The French Connection, where, mm-hmm. as Damien would like to put it, they decided to make a movie. 
right? <laughs> um, just the version of movies they were making when they were making these independent, um, just strange art movies. Like it, it feels almost of its time where I understand that they're going to be kind of just broken apart like this. Um, and I think, I think like that should be taken into account. Like, I feel like I wonder, I wonder if we were the age we are now in when this movie came out and we were watching movies like this at the time, if we'd be like, well, I kind of get it based on the form that this is what's happening now. Like, that's how we know, like how you were saying, Douglas, that you need to be taught how to understand this movie in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and um, you're right, because even another movie that is technically not a 70s movie, but is late 60s, 1968, is a movie that I actually love. But I watched recently and realized also suffers from this problem is Bullet. Uh, Bullet is another, and you know, you mentioned French Connection. This is another car action movie. It's not really a car action movie, but it has a nice car and it's a, you know, cop thriller sort of movie. Uh, and it it definitely does a lot of hard cuts and you have to, you have to fill the gaps. But at least when, after you fill the gaps, it then moves, right? It doesn't stop in one space and have things, various things happen. Because my issue with, the translation, because that's definitely a translation and a shitty one to that, uh, that these people have made on the internet about this movie is that they don't even get the order right of some of the things. Or rather, they... Well, no, they don't get the order right because they make it sound like, oh, this thing happens, then there's development, and this next thing happens. But when actually, some of these things happen right on top of each other and don't are never earned. That's something that I think more modern movies do. They try to, and some of them do it too, do it badly and, and try too hard, but they try to earn the development of the story arc. They didn't back in the day, it seems. So the movie I watched had some of those concepts in there, but it didn't, there was no cause and effect, right? So this man is a cameraman. Check. This man does a lot of work for his television station or whatever it is. Check. This man finds out he is fired. That happens first. Or no. He walks down a hallway, chats up some woman who tells him that there's a secret that or some sort of news that he hasn't heard, and he asks her about it, and the news he hadn't heard is that FBI is looking at his films. He gets angry, and by the time he walks upstairs, before he can protest to anybody, he, he's, he has already been fired. So there is no earning of, I am upset, and I now must go do something, and then they found some reason to fire me. It is not until later into the movie that he mentions to some, some lady with a son that he has adopted that he mentions to her that, damn, these, these horrible uptown rich people find a way to fire me because I am, you know, the man of the news. Uh, then there is no link between I got fired 
and I am now working at the DNC. Actually, you don't even really know it's the DNC. Maybe it is that the visuals are DNC-like for folks who are in that world, and I'm not in that world because I'm a good Jamaican man down here, but you don't even realize it's DNC until halfway through this whole build process. But you just he just shows up in a hotel room talking about working. And even at that stage, I wasn't sure if he was just hanging out with somebody else who was in the hotel room who was working with, who had worked with, I can't remember the name, but it was a, a somewhat famous person that he was working with. And this movie is just frustration after frustration, upset after upset, and I couldn't watch it in one sitting. I had to break it up. And even then, if it wasn't for the fact that this was a podcast movie, I suppose, given that I watched all of it, it's better than Bahuli Bali or whatever that shitty Indian movie Damien made us watch this. I'm pretty sure it helps that it was shorter. Right? Bahu Bali, you were like looking for a 4 0 epic. Maybe. This you're I... like telling yourself like 90 minutes and I'm out. I suppose. Um, but and I have to also... agree with you, it took me two sittings to do this movie myself. <laughs> um. It also helps that like Renata was with me watching it first, and I'm like, I can't put her through this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll finish this in the morning. Um, yeah, it was bad, but yeah. Um, but what what I would say to you, Douglas, is that and herein lies one of the things is that the translation itself, I find it very interesting, and I wonder my version of this movie that I would have loved to have seen is number one, cut out the children, right? Cut out the love story. Just make it about this man and his camera stories. And if they were to have given us that linking information and give us like the the plot of what we imagine this movie should have been, like I feel like that could have been a decent movie, right? Like I think Except it's for the I fact think that I don't understand how you get to the end, but sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the end the end to me is like completely showiness. It's it going like we have to like nail in this concept of what we want to say about the news, like to the point at which the the radio itself is telling you the man has died. Yeah, before he dies. Yeah, before he actually dies, yeah. and they they have a camera pointing to the movie. Like it's mm-hmm. it's so like thumb. It's so like oh, hand on knows. scale. Yeah. Right, um, that you I just kind of so go like when they turn the camera to the television. I was like, really? <laughs> you, you really uh, needed to tell me this? <laughs> yeah, they did because the guy was like pulling a Spike Lee's. Like, if you didn't realize so far, let me make it perfectly clear. <laughs> um, but now Damien can start his his complaints. Damien, um, how much was it like the news that you watch every night? I'm sorry, what's happening here? What? Where am I? medium cool how did you like it oh right so there is a video on the youtubes uh what vice did where they talked to this um what do you call someone that uh, makes something a psychopath where they talk to this lunatic and um he's reminiscing about um this terrible uh god-awful waste of time and he said at the end, you know, um, this was him experimenting with the art form. This is him examining 
what it is that the news does. The news doesn't report the actual stories. The news doesn't care about the stories. It only cares about, you know, what's sensational. Uh, because, and the reason he put in the section where the ladies were firing the guns was because the news at that time was reporting that, you know, um, these people were going to come and attack them. There's a war everywhere. And then uh, black people wanted rights. And so they were scaring all these housewives. And they told the housewives at the time, you know, the only way to protect yourself is with a gun. And that's why he filmed that section. And, you know, he, he met people who were appalled by the fact that the, the, government was using their footage to um, track people and so there were people who became scared of you know presenting this information in a certain way because the government would commandeer it and uh, and while watching this man uh, my skin caught fire because i was so upset that this man given 40 years to explain why this movie is garbage could not come up with anything to explain why his movie is garbage. Uh, you guys said it, this movie is bad. But it is the kind of bad that is evident the second the movie starts. And then the movie, almost in defiance of, I don't know, goodnessity, decides what if we just keep just doing this thing that we're not supposed to be doing what if we just keep because it's not a actual documentary and he's not telling a good story so the question is why and i don't have an answer and the reason i don't have an answer is because he doesn't have an answer and i wanted to come here and asks Andrew the fuck. And <laughs> Andrew has given me, much like this director, a non-answer. Andrew's like, so I read on the internet. And the internet <laughs> was wrong. But here's the thing. <laughs> Internet's been wrong for a good long time. Usually, that is a Douglas line of explanation. And we accept that from Douglas. Because... It's either that or Douglas doesn't pick movies. Douglas is just like, this is a shiny object, and that is why I picked this movie. <laughs> and we accept that, because every now and again, uh, by sheer buck-ups, no skill whatsoever, <laughs> by sheer, uh, the universe is bending to buck-ups laws, we get gems from Douglas. You're saying, uh, you're saying he's a Jesse Lingard. I mean, that's a... That's mean-spirited, but whatever. <laughs> yes, he's the Jesse Lingard of picking movies. But you, Andrew, there's usually a through line. There's usually something where I can go. I mean, he's wrong, but I can see what... Like, Andrew shows his workings. Douglas just comes with an answer, and you ask him, where's the workings? And he's just like, the internet, and then he runs out of the classroom. You at least have... <laughs> A process. I'm a savant, Damien. Right. I don't have to. I, I don't need to work to go from right. A to. I go from A to Z. You Listen. guys need to go through the rest of the right. alphabet. Douglas is jazz. It's the movies you don't <laughs> see. <It's> not... 
Douglas presents to you. And Andrew is uh, clinical and methodical. And so when he's wrong, you're like, listen, Andrew is better at this movie stuff than me. And yes, he has led me astray, but at least I can see where he's going. And this time, Andrew's lost like, look, dog, the internet. And then ran out of the class and was like, is, is it a double standard? Yes. Do I care? Not at all. This it was upsetting. <laughs> it was. Because the entire time, I was just like, I, I don't, I don't, why? Why is any of this? Like, he, you guys, the, the only interesting part of this entire movie is when he, the cab driver part, where he's just like, listen, um, you return 10 grand. All his friends mocked him. Uh, the police almost arrested him. And then he went to the apartment and he's like, I'm not talking to you people anymore because the government. And then some other people attacked him and they're like, listen, there's these invisible people and the only time and whatever, whatever. And I'm like, is this what this movie is? But I should have known. Of course, this is not what the movie is. This movie isn't about anything. And then not too long after that, it was revealed that, no, the, the black people were right. The government is using this footage. So I thought, all right, maybe the end part of this movie is tying these two distant five minutes together. But of course it wasn't. Because that would require actual skill. And there's none of that in this movie. And it's it's been a long time since I've wanted to punch Andrew for some reason. And he did it. He did it this time. If Andrew were here, I'd have actually hit him. And told him not to do this anymore. Because sometimes for children and, of course, adults to learn, you have to hit them. Um, I promise you, if you hit the microphone hard enough, I'll feel it. Yeah, we watched that movie last Oh. Week. <laughs> 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 nope, it's not working. It started laughing. It hurt, it hurt, it hurt really hard. <laughs> um, it hurt you to laugh, though. I understand. <laughs> You know, you know, an parent just isn't good at beating. Yeah. Like, you just, you see, and you see the child laughing at it's some like, point. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you are bad at this. Um, it's either that or the child gets old enough where it's just not effective anymore. Like, the parent <laughs> and child see in each other's eyes that this is a waste of both of their times. They're just like, eh, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> Go up, move from in front of me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah this movie is insane um mm-hmm. it's it's not good and, insane though like douglas and andrew have not impressed upon people just how much of a waste of time this like there's nothing to get out of this movie like it's not it's not bonkers bad it's not like all over the place like there's just no part of this movie that it should have been committed to film. It's like, it's just... If... Uh, none of the viewers has seen Andrew's student video game. But it is if Andrew made a student movie in video game form. This is what <laughs> this movie is. Did you guys see the thing I sent you? 
What yes. Talking about movie in video game form. <laughs> yes, I started playing it and my brain couldn't. I was just like, I can't. I can't write. Like, I only lasted like around 15, 10 minutes into yeah, it. Yeah, that's literally how long I lasted before. I was just like, I cannot. I don't care like, where I didn't this expect ends. it to take that long. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be a lot shorter. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. At first, I was just like, this is hilarious. And then I was just like, someone thought this was and was a good idea. And then to find out that it was some guy who basically stripped this out of an actual video game thing, I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want any more of this. I wait for Giant Bomb to play through this and laugh. I can't. I cannot. <laughs> um, and for those of you confused as to what the hell we're talking about, yes. um, there was this, there was this thing that hit the internet. I don't know if this was like from the people who are like, we're just dumping all our data. Because we're done with these things or whatever. I don't even know the story behind it. But um, there was this CD that was done by Steven Spielberg. Basically to kind of teach people how to make movies. By what he did was he filmed a bunch of scenes. And then told you to stitch together your movie. Um, And he filmed all of these scenes with like Jennifer Aniston, Penn and Teller and Quentin Tarantino. And somebody like took those clips (laughs) and made... uh, and made it into like a click video game, into like a FMV video game. So it'll stop in a point and it'll be like, do you want maniacal Tarantino or do you want sad Tarantino? And then it like goes to the next scene. And yeah, it's like, I saw that story and I'm like, I have to share this with Davion. I think I started watching it at work and I was like, nope, need to take this home. This is homework, but I never did. But it looked crazy. (laughs) Um, I got to the point where he basically pulled Tarantino pulled off his grandmother's ankle and he shot at the guards of the prison he's in Mm -hmm. Um, and that gave me a good laugh and then I kind of just went alright I've had enough (laughs) Um, I think to the point where I saw that there was a Reservoir Dogs poster in the background where I'm like oh shit so he's made that already so like this isn't like Tarantino who's like on his ass and like struggling oh, for work well, after reservoir dogs he might still be that was the first one he directed and i don't know how much money he got for that true um anyways that, i think that was, he'd, have been, like... he'd have been a name enough that he shouldn't be like none of the people in this should have been in this i don't know what contract i mean penantello penantello kind of makes sense but i guess um yeah You'd assume Jennifer Aniston is in the middle of Friends during all of this, and you're right. like, yeah, right. Like they Spielberg. Spielberg has decided I'm going to get my famous friends to come and do this thing. And Penantello. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I still love Penantello. Leave me alone. Um, so yeah, I feel like we're kind of done with medium cool, and we've just kind of brushed this idea. Oh yeah, I've been done for a while. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's the end of that. Um, and let's lead into our next thing. In 38 not KFRC, this is Frank Terry. And let me repeat, the Rolling Stones free concert is going to be on tomorrow at the Altamont Speedway. Apparently, it's one of the most difficult things in the world to give a free concert. creating a sort of uh, microcosmic society, you know, which, which sets examples to the rest of America as to how one can behave in large gatherings. Yeah. 
So, mm. um, in 1970, the Maisels brothers, Albert and David Maisels, released their documentary, Gimme Shelter, which followed the Rolling Stones on their 1969 tour, which culminates in what was one of the largest free concerts at the time at the Altamont Speedway, which they did for charity, which turned into basically a nightmare of an event. Um, that's really all I need to say about like the quote unquote story of this movie. I have more to say about what I see in this movie. Um, but yes, it's a music documentary, the Rolling Stones, and we are going from town to town and more importantly, talking about this large event that's going to be happening. Um, Douglas, you, sir, love the musics. Yes, sir. How did you like the documentaries? Give me shelter. <laughs> so, I'm going to start by saying this is the second movie in our five-movie marathon of the Azels, Mazels, Measles. Three-movie documentary. Three-movie marathon. Three? It's only three. Next, next one is the last one. Um, measles. That's not. That's not a marathon. That's a sprint. But anyway, uh, the Measles brothers uh, have put together a few documentaries for us. I wanted to really say this comment to this movie, but as I was talking to the other movie, I realized it applied as well. So clearly, there is a bit of a trend today. But after watching this, now my second measles filled film i realized that as steve Jobs said i'm holding it wrong i remember i had an epiphany once i was watching one of andrew's favorite filmmakers terry m terry malik i was watching the thin blue line or the thin red line the thin red line and yeah yeah it'd be red line yeah the thin red line and I realized what my problem was. Why I did not like almost every Terrence Malick movie. And it was because I was straight up watching it wrong. I was watching those movies for the wrong things. I wanted story. I wanted narrative. I wanted coherency. I wanted all of the normal things that normal people give me. But I realized right there that Terrence Malick wasn't normal. And why I realized it was for a fleeting moment, I started watching it right. And for a second, I actually appreciated something about that movie, which was, uh, for that movie, the cinematic nature of the movement of the truth and the this and the that. But just, you know, for the purposes of this conversation, let's just say that... I needed to change my mind. I needed to change how I watched that, those movies in order to understand them, in order to, at the very least, appreciate them, if not like them. I realize now that to enjoy these measles films, I need to learn how to watch them. Because if you can take one of arguably the best bands ever at least for what they do and 
make a completely uninteresting film where 90% of the time they're playing some of their biggest hits. There's something, it's not you. There's something wrong with me. Uh, this movie, again, I, I understand why I don't like them. I understand now. I think I may have started to catch an inkling with the first movie, and we may have spoken about this with the first movie that we saw with the salesman. But with Gimme Shelter, I now fully appreciate why I don't like these movies. And it is this. These people do absolutely no investigation. They don't come to a subject matter and whether it is by accident or by design, they don't eventually have some specific thing, whether it is a point, whether it is an ideology, whether it is a situation within the situation that they want to highlight. They don't have any sort of interest in the subject matter that they identify to the audience as the thing that they are building this movie or this piece of media around. They simply say, I woke up at 6 o'clock on Monday morning. I had breakfast with Mick Jagger. We watched a couple TV shows. We did a 50-minute workout. He went on stage, and then we went to sleep. And that could have been the movie for all intents and purposes. And that is why I didn't like this movie. That is why I didn't like the last movie. And that is why I imagine I won't like the next one. Now, I will talk about a few details now that I like because, again, this is a great band. And there are also other great bands in this movie. And this is surrounding a story that I actually already knew, probably because of this movie, you know, uh, because this movie brought light to it. But I just want to make it abundantly clear. Fuck this movie. The music was obviously great. Uh, I think that the music in this movie suffered, in particular the, the Stones music, suffered from it being live and them kind of messing around with equipment where you could see foam held onto a microphone by a rubber band. So, you know, there is that, right? But this music is great. Uh, there was one scene that took me aback and I'm not exactly sure how it tied in with the rest of the movie, but apparently they thought it did. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was at the concert and if that's why it makes some semblance of sense. But some woman was handing out flyers, something to do with the Black Panthers. and Yeah, that was at the concert. It was at the concert. Okay. And I nearly died because she made a statement. And it's so... I probably shouldn't say it's anachronistic or, or out of place in modern times, given what is happening or what has happened recently. But it just feels so dated and so disgusting that I, I laughed so hard 
because it was just, it felt like, you know, you pat somebody on the head and you say, oh, you, you need to learn something here. She, I remember I actually had to write it down. She was talking about the Black Panthers and something, something, something. I think it was, she was positive for them and talking about how some of them were getting arrested and it's bad. And one of the things that came out of her mouth, and this is verbatim, she said, after all, they're just Negroes, you know. And I was like, really? Like, seriously, this is, this is what somebody thought was an okay thing to say. I mean, <laughs> at the time, like, that was supposedly the nicer word to say, <laughs> right? So, I mean, as much as, like, it still isn't, like, it, you're watching movies from the time, you're going to hear that shit a lot. I know, right? Right? Um, <laughs> but that kind of threw me out of the movie for a little bit. But I'm going to talk about a few specifics. One thing that I really adored was this movie reminding me why I should love Tina Turner. Tina Turner's performance of, and I cannot remember the song she was singing at the time, but just... Wasn't it Proud Mary? Was it Proud Mary? I'm not sure. I can't remember I th- now. I believe it was Proud Mary she was singing. Because she only got the one song in this movie. Yeah, and she didn't even get... It was more like just a chorus or, or one verse. It wasn't very long. But the way Andrew and Damien, that she caressed that microphone without touching it. The way that she was deep into the song that she was singing. That was a performance and a half. And I forget because... I grew up with, I guess, a middle-aged Tina Turner. And now she is an old woman Tina Turner who actually doesn't really do these things anymore. Just to see her in her heyday, I forget that that is what she was and how amazing she was. Uh, That was awesome. I weirdly, again, this is now more an age thing and a separation of time thing. I obviously recognize Mick Jagger. You can't miss those lips anywhere. But I have to say, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, it took me some time and I had to really try to recognize Keith Richards. <laughs> I figured it out eventually after a few scenes of him uh, <laughs> strutting around on the stage. But Keith Richards, young Keith Richards, doesn't really look, at least to me, very much like old Keith Richards. Old, my face is a shoe, Keith Richards versus young i actually am a person with a face keith richards wasn't uh, keith richards in the parts of the caribbean movies yes he, he was in one he okay. was in i think the last one as okay. as johnny depp's dad yeah but, i knew it was somebody from the stones and i'm like it it wasn't mcjago <laughs> no, keith wasn't. richards right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know keith keith i I snort my parents' ashes instead of cocaine Richards. Uh, you know, doesn't look like Keith. I am a young person and actually, you know, 
going up and down on the stage, Keith Richards. Um, and it's fun to listen to some of these songs. And also watching the development of the crowd shenanigans was something. I don't even want to say the word interesting because the problem that I had is I didn't really focus on anything and there was no, this is what I'm looking to do here in this movie, whether it is to identify the, the atrocities that occurred or whether it is, hey, this song's really cool uh, or whether it is, look at all these people high on drugs doing weird things. They didn't really care about either of them either of those things more than any of the others uh, but so I know I kind of want to do some more research on this but I have seen whether it's read articles or seen a couple uh, I don't know documentary related points on this concert specifically and on how the crowd control was managed or perhaps mismanaged by the Hells Angels. And what kind of upset me about this movie is that because I kind of have a, a foot into that, and especially because you see certain things, like you see a number of the Hells Angels just going at it with the moonshine, just drinking like they don't have a job to do. Uh, just treating some of these people horribly that I kind of wanted to that was a topic I wanted them to go into I wanted to know what happened there uh, how bad was it is there any identifiable causality to it you know they actually show and I'm not even sure if it's anybody's fault but they show somebody one of the musicians getting not necessarily hurt, but at least trampled on for a half a second while she's performing. And I, I kind of want to go down that rabbit hole of what happened with the crowd control. It appears, and I didn't realize this, but I guess I should, I could have guessed given the, the other things that I've heard before, but it appears that they killed a fellow uh, in, in the crowd. And that is... Yeah, they show you... Yeah, they, they show, show you the body. Well, yeah, I know, but that's brushed over in this movie. Maybe because they have a half a second of it, you might want to say that they focused on it a little bit, but you cannot simply say, oh, this person died and move on. That's, that's, not, how, that's not how the human interest, the mind really works, or at least not how mine works. You tell me, hey, the people who were supposed to be security guards murdered a fool. But you know what? There was this fancy helicopter where Mick Jagger went away. Like that that's not th th those things don't don't work. I really wanted them to to take a position somewhere to to go deeper into something when this movie really just became uh series of events that started with Mick Jagger chilling with his documentary buddies in a law office to Mick Jagger singing a couple songs to Mick Jagger watching something on television and 
I'm sorry. The boy, I, I'm not going to this movie at all. So, I quite like this movie. Um, once made that clear, unlike the last time we talked about these things, I like this one. Um, and it's not just because of music reasons. Like, I have to say, I'd seen this one before, but honestly, I feel like the performances really hit me this time. It might be because, you know, we're, we're all at home and I'm like, oh, I miss live music. Um, but yeah, whatever. The, the one thing I wanted to talk about um, with this movie, and it's kind of interesting because it kind of gets to what you're on about with the with their directing style. It's something that I appreciate that they do. I know that it doesn't always work, especially having seen their previous film a couple weeks ago, and I'm hoping it'll work for me in the next one because um, it works here. They, as you say, do no research. I mean, I don't know how true that statement is, but their movies feel very much like they just show up with a camera and then whenever they decide is their end date of shooting, whether it's that they've run out of film money or they can't get access to their subjects anymore, or maybe it is that an event as large as this happens and they're like, all right, we have to have had it by now. Um, and then they just go to an edit editing room and they do, do what they can. Um, I appreciate that concept of making a documentary because um, to me, they're like, uh, they're like three or four versions of documentaries and we see them all and, I feel that they've been honed so well over the years. There's the boring talking head documentary where they're like, oh, something awful happened 10 years ago and we're now going to interview everyone and talk to them about it as to what happened. And hopefully we can find some footage to kind of intercut with it and you kind of tell your story that way, which is great. But there are many movies that make that feel boring, right? As you go through that experience. Um, They're the documentaries where... You focus on subjects and over the years, especially having seen what's happened with television around documentaries, you can see how these subjects and this filmmaking process is crafted to make its own story, right? As opposed to taking what actually happens to make um, a narrative from it. Um, And then you have these sorts of documentaries um, where the filmmakers literally have no idea what's going to happen and they just kind of make it. And this documentary I love because it's a documentary that starts up where at the beginning you're you're into the music. You're like, oh, this is I just love watching a music documentary where you're just with your band on tour. You're hearing all the hits. Everyone's having fun. Maybe you see like a behind the scenes film bits where they are doing stuff and it's cute and awesome and that's great um but this documentary feels different to me because it's it's really that but at the same time it goes into one specific moment which it focuses on that that um event the ultimate um free concert that was a disaster um like i feel like if this was to have happened in 2020 or real specifically, because nothing happens in 2020. If it were to have happened in 2019, it would have been the Fire Festival story of 2019 as to what happened at that place. But watching, and I mean, you talk about Douglas that they kind of brush over these things. But for me, it feels, and maybe it's because I'm seeing it again. Maybe it's because of how I feel that the movie spent a lot of time at that point. Like at least 30 minutes of the runtime was just that concert. 
um, like you get to see each of the pieces kind of building in that concert from the the promoter putting everything together from the you you get a lot of I'd like to call them flash forwards because you get the scenes of um, Jagger and the the rest of the band just kind of watching the footage again with um, them trying to get reactions from them of stuff they've seen. Hold on, what's that fella's name, Andrew? The band, the other people in the band. No, no, the the the, the main guy. What's his name? McJago. <laughs> I'm I'm confused as to why we're laughing. Because the way you pronounce it is hilarious. It sounds like you think it's his last name is M C Jagger McJagger. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, this is where Mick G got his name, so I'm just used to saying McJagger. It's like MacGyver, but MacGyver. <laughs> look, look, he should have he should have picked a better he should have picked a better stage name than Mick. Right, it's so he doesn't just. Name, Nick. It's probably his name is probably Michael. Yeah, if Michael I look this up, right? Yeah, yeah. It's probably um, cooking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm now going to go to goddamn IMDb. His name is Michael Philip Jagger. Yeah, Mick is right? our short name for Michael, <laughs> but you're like no Jagger, like it's, like, <laughs> like it's one last name Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> um, i love it i apologize <laughs> i thought like i got i thought you were going to tell me no his name is andrew castile <laughs> the greatest pianist to ever have graced the stage of the ultimate speedway <laughs> um anyways cool mcjago right so i will continue to do this um um and so we're dealing with this concert and we're dealing with all of the pieces of this event. We're dealing with the lunacy of the crowd and it's not just shown in the size of it, which um, there are a couple like Woodstock related documentaries that I'm kind of piling up to watch, um, which I'm sure will kind of get into crowds of these size. But you get to see the individual insanity, which you brought up, like the the lady looking for the Black Panther, the amount of random crazy high naked people in this crowd that just kind of saunter around or try to get on stage um i don't think i've ever seen a concert go on where you can see the the stage is taken up by crowd to the point where if if someone took a picture far enough away you couldn't tell where the stage was excepting by a speaker because yeah. you just see people everywhere. Like, I don't even know how... Like, there are times where you see the performers falling over themselves trying to find the minuscule of space to actually do what they're doing. Um, and then when you get into the actual, the actual like, insanity that happens, the, the tragedies that happen involving the, the, um, the Hells Angels, which is crazy... But even more so, it kind of comes down to a, a scene in this movie, which I feel is probably the most talked about moment of this movie, which is a moment in which the Maisels show Mick Jagger that potentially he was always almost murdered. I mean, it's not made clear as to whether the individual was trying to actually shoot Mick Jagger himself or anyone specifically on stage. Um, but you kind of see that happen and you're like, it could have been the end of his life and the Hell's Angel stopped it from happening. So for um, so so that's let's let's talk about that a little bit, Andrew. That's one of the reasons why I don't like this movie, because mm-hmm. they do right. They stop that and they show the gun, 
But it's interesting how your take and my take are completely different, right? Your take is the guy had a gun in his hand and was probably aiming it at Mick Jagger. And sorry, Mick Jagger. And <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, a valid uh, view, right? It, that could have been what was going on. I look at that and I wonder to myself, was there some sort of fight going on in the crowd? Did a Hells Angels person upset that person uh, to the degree that he wanted to pull the gun on the Hells Angels person and then he stabbed him? And I want to know what happened. And I would like for somebody to please <laughs> fucking tell me because that's what is interesting. Well, I think it, you need the next season you know? of the serial podcast to do that. <laughs> to come yeah. to 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 get to the end to get to the answer you're looking for. And um, it might not even be that specific event, but just generally, I kind of want to know where this all went wrong. That's what I would like from this movie, but it doesn't do that. It's just like, there you go. All right, Mick. Sorry, Art Mook, Mook Jagger. <laughs> Oh, enjoy yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just generally the limitation of these filmmakers in how they make their movies, i.e. they go out, you don't know what's going to happen, and you get what you get. And maybe, you don't know, if like we had talked to them in 1970 when this came out, and we had asked them, were you interested in knowing more about what actually happened here? They would have said, yes, we would have loved to have known, but we don't have any any footage to give us any more information. So we play what we have. We show Mick Jagger, um, he almost died. We get that shot of Mick Jagger reacting to it, where he's like, oh shit, right? Um, because so, many, so much of the movie where Mick Jagger is reacting and everyone else is reacting to the ridiculousness of this event, you have them going like, well, you know, their challenges to putting on an event is large. Um, we're sad that probably a few people got hurt right um and we don't know what happened but the moment it turns to he almost died you see the look on his face just completely go away and you see him just be like shit right and there's something about just that image and i don't know if it's that it's a documentary and it's not a fake movie where someone is acting and trying to find their center of what it would be like to know that, but I kind of take it as complete sincerity of them capturing that footage in the same way the Maisels do the rest of their documentary in just running the camera and hoping to catch something. And the fact that they caught that, right? That image itself is probably the image of the movie for me. It's not the, the scale of the concert. It's not the insanity of the Hells Angels. It's not the fact that the stage probably could have fallen over seven times in this performance um, or even watching Mick Jagger in any of the previous performances with Tina Turner or just dancing up and down the stage having a time. It's that moment of him recognizing that his life almost ended where I'm like, shit, this movie just showed me something that I don't think any other movie has. And I mean, I kind of see there like I. I think that they made something here that made sense for that. That led up to that point. Boy, it sounds like you're not getting a lot of support from the, from the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Mr. Damien, how did no, you like no, the song no, songs? Mm -mm, no, mm -mm, no, no, no. I'd, I'd like to uh, not be... Uh, 
I I would like to turn in a empty paper uh, <laughs> on this assignment. Um, You're going to take the F, right? On on the on the top of the paper, it is uh, a confession. I didn't realize that that Wild Horses song uh, was not sung by Alicia Keys, which is oh ridiculous. Oh my god! Wow, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I have, um, I have to tell you something, Damien. Mm-hmm. When the Alicia Keys song came out, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know it wasn't an Alicia Keys song. Yeah. I learned subsequently. Yeah. Right? I, so at no point. I, I have another confession. Yes. This is the first time I'm finding out Alicia Keys sings that song. Right. <laughs> so she and Adam Levine have a rendition of this song, which I quite enjoyed for a good long time. Yeah. And then heard this version and went, oh shit. And then went and listened to a proper version of the song and went, I don't know if I prefer the original or the Alicia Keys one. And that is all I have to say about this movie. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's going on the poster, Damien. I don't know if I prefer this or the Alicia Keys version. Yeah. I... Don't like this movie at all, at all, at all, at all, at all. Uh, you see, not even like a, I heard good songs. I like right. it kind of so, thing. So that is what this movie is. And then there's interludes of him pointing a camera uh, beside them and watching them watch themselves or the news or other things. But there's This movie is is pointless. <laughs> is what this like? It didn't. It didn't give me any any insight. Like the things that they shot were things you could have put like at the in a like an opening crawl. They'd be just like these things happened, and then just played this like if we. If we take the songs out of it, why would this move? Like, it's not... Like, it didn't give us insight into their process. It didn't give us insight into how these people are as real people. It didn't give us insight as to what they are outside of their rockstar personas. It's just a waste. It felt like a waste of my time. Except for the Alicia Keys thing. That's, I mean, I'm glad you had more things <laughs> to be gleamed out of this movie, but I, sir, also the movie looks like garbage. There's also that. There is also that. Um, no, not, not a fan. Douglas, help me. See, I'm drowning here, Douglas. Uh, Damien, I. I raised some valid points or mm-hmm. points I thought were valid that you, <laughs> you can piggyback off of. Are you are you telling Damien to copy your work? Hey, he's getting an F. Yeah. He needs the help. Yeah, right? I might as well. Yeah, if I'm already getting an F, I might as well quadruple though. Are we uh, playing a Xerox game here? What's going on? I don't... I did not enjoy the time with this. Like, 
and I'm not the biggest Rolling Stones fan to begin with. Sure, yeah. some of the music is so famous and so well-known that I'd have heard them before. And, of course, they have one of the greatest performers to ever grace a stage. Uh, she was tremendous. But, like, that's not the movie. I can't give the movie points for pointing a camera at people singing music like that's not that's not what this movie is for and it's not like you brought up the fire festival andrew it's not an investigation into how this thing became a shambles like that's not what any of these movies and so there's there's and nothing there something i would have probably appreciated yeah if not enjoyed i don't know Nah. You know, first question: Why would you hire a biker gang for security? You know, then continue that, or whatever it is, just decide. And you don't even need to. The, the thing I, the thing that upsets me, is because I know that there are other documentary makers. For example, look at I believe his name is Josh Oppenheimer, right? Look at what he did with our favorite movie ever. That was a fucking accident. What's the name of that movie again, Damien? The Art of Killing? Yeah, The Act of Killing. The Act of Killing. That movie was an accident. He had a whole nother movie planned, got to a location and said, talked to our people, talked to a couple of people and said, "What you said what now? And that is what how that movie happened. You can go to a place or... Get yourself set up in a certain situation with no specific agenda. But that is not a failing. Where you fail is after you have completed your work. After you have, whether you're interviewing people, whether you're just sitting on the side and watching. After you have watched all that you need to watch or talk to all the people you need to talk to. If you do not have a clear idea in your mind of what it is you are trying to get across with the film that you are creating, then you have failed. And that's what these people do. Not just the last movie, but this movie too. And that upsets me. Because it's one thing to fail with a couple of salesmen who you can argue, maybe they're just regular people. Maybe there's not much here. Maybe I, I didn't quite... Uh, resonate with them as as i could have because of you know certain certain mm, uh, me aspiring for anything on my television screen to be large and bombastic but you literally had one of the largest most bombastic people in the world you literally had one of the most flammable uh, situations where the flames were actually lit and it exploded and you're still not able to tell me anything? Fuck you guys. <laughs> that is correct, Douglas. <laughs> I hate you both. That is... It took you a long time to get there, but that is my official... At the top of my paper is my name, obviously. Spelt incorrect. <laughs> and then below is our apology to the lecturer, which is Andrew. And then... <laughs> After that, it's my findings, which is Alicia Keys is better than the Rolling Stones. 
How dare oh, you? Oh, go fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then... I'm allowed to say that my, sentence out loud. F. My, yes. F. 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 Minus. My coup de gras is... is fuck these people. <laughs> to end my people. I mean, I'm getting an F anyway. I have actually wrote... I've traced the, the outline of the F you're supposed to write at the top. Uh... I've added the minus just for effect. <laughs> it, does this paper count towards my final grade? Is my only question. <laughs> as my wife reminds me, as I tell her story, I regale her of stories of my education, yes. 40% is a fail. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I keep saying this to university students yep. and they don't understand uh, because 40%. Because if you think 40% is a pass mark, then you don't have no sense. Also, there were pass-fail courses which were delicious. Yeah. You got a midterm on a pass-fail course, <laughs> which was 40%. Which means if, like in my case, you got 38 out of 40 for a midterm in a pass-fail course, you walk into the exam proudly, answer one question, and walk out of the exam. <laughs> So yeah, um, we'll be back next time talking about Grey Gardens. So let's see how that works. Yeah, man. I'm um, sure it'll be great. So moving right along, I have a few things I want to bring up nice. to the podcast. Um, and as always, I'll attempt to do this in the order of interest from I have as little interest as possible. to I have the most interest as possible. Um, I'm going to start with Mr. Seth Rogen. I don't know if any of you guys have seen this yet. I have not um, yet, but I'm thinking about it. Should I really? His new film, An American Pickle, um, on HBO, in which he gets brined in pickle juice and wakes up 100 years later to meet his great-grandson or whatever he is. Um, this movie's not good. Um, what this movie has... David Chappelle to be in the movie to say... Pickle juice. And the worst part is this movie has legitimately a great first half hour. And the first half hour of this movie is ridiculous. It's amazing. It's hilarious. You have jokes of him in the old country where he says he's a ditch digger. And you see him like he's he's digging the ditch with his shovel. And then the shovel breaks in half. And he's like, well, that's not so bad. Digs, Digs again. The shovel handle breaks. Like it's just constantly like him being the sap. Right, and it's amazing, and it's filmed like as a as a wonderful, just dour, sad, funny movie. Where um, and the wife in that that comes out of there, which I'm gonna be honest, I've forgotten the actress who Shiv. plays the wife's role. Um, it's Shiv, right? From, um, from is it? It's probably yeah. No, you know what? Now that you say it, think I've it's only Shiv. watched the trailer, and so she's like barely in it. And it's almost like a blurry image, but it looked like Shiv to me. I mean, she's not in the movie that long. Like, once that first half hour is over and we're in modern time, she's out of the movie. Um, but, yeah. Like, great. I love the first half hour of the movie. The rest of the movie, now, where we're in modern time and he has to deal with his shitty grandson and they basically make it into a, these young people have problems sort of movie. Um, it's really not good. It's it's awful it's not funny and it just kind of gets mean and overbearing and i get it trump sucks (laughs) um so you know seth organ it's nice to know that you can be spike lee from time to time um moving right along 
Um, I meant to talk about this last podcast. I didn't. I forgot. Um, I got around to watching a Taika Waititi movie I hadn't seen before, which I'm going, which is entitled Boy, but oh. I'm going to call it Hunt for the Wilder People, the prequel. Yeah. Um, it's lesser that. Hunt for the Wilder People. It's not as bad as Jojo Rabbit, Fuck but you. it's not as good as Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, it has that same whimsy to it, which I love. Um, he plays the the father of this boy in. It's a boy named Boy. Oh, oh is he the father? Boy. Yeah, he plays the father. I, um, so I watched it. That was the first Taika movie I watched. And so it was 100 years ago. So I didn't really know who he was. So it didn't register. That time. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and he he basically went to jail. And he appears back one week when the grandmother has gone off for a funeral. And the boy is watching over all of the children. And he appears and... He's basic. He basically is like a shitty father, but the child is like he makes it into fun games, and the child thinks it's amazing. Where the father is like looking for his buried money from when he robbed that bank that he went to jail for, and the boy is helping him find the money and all this shit. Like it's it's ridiculous, and it has its moments. It's not awful, but it's what like if we had seen this, we'd be like, well, hopefully there's more to come from yeah, this guy, and I, I there was like it at the time i thought it was whatever and i mean i also have to give it points like there's a lot of um michael jackson references in it because yep. the boy character he says his heroes is his father and michael jackson um so there are lots of like michael jackson daydreams and shit mm-hmm. um and when the movie's over and you get to the end credits like you have a scene of all of the actors and taika waititi's in the suit redoing like the thriller video and it's really cool Right, um, so yeah, that's pretty so what's, awesome. What what's up next? You're gonna watch Eagle versus Shark? Who knows? Maybe I will. I've actually never seen it. Um, I, I but... also have watched that one. Also, did not like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, he wasn't yet knocking it out like Thor three. Right, yeah. he wasn't like at that level yet. He was working out the kinks. Um. The next thing I want to talk about, um, and this can kind of go straight to Damien, is something that Damon and I kind of mentioned in the group. I decided randomly I want to watch a bunch of early David Lean movies. Because I've, like, David Lean, I've seen Dr. Zhivago, and I've seen Lawrence of Arabia. I still haven't seen Bridge Over the River Kwai, and I might work my way up to that. Um, but, like, to me, David Lean are those movies. David Lean are these massive epic films to me, as how he's been described to me. We turn around and look and find out that he used to do these small character family movies that I'm like, I want to know what that David Lean is. So I just ran up the Criterion channel and I started watching these. So I've, I've watched um, his 1944 film, The Happy Breed, um, which is about a family which is in the years between the two wars, right? In England, a suburban family. And just basically, it's a sitcom like, um, drama of just these family woes of them just being a happy family with years going on and on and one after another children being married off like there's nothing massive about this movie this movie is one of those movies that actually really like it but it's one of those movies you love because it's just really well written like every character just feels fun Every character just feels enjoyable. It's like that type of movie that you would have probably seen on JBC on a Sunday afternoon 
and you'd have never known the name of the movie and one day you'll see it and you'll be like i've seen this movie like 30 times mm-hmm. um and it's one of those um but i really really enjoyed it i'm trying to get the main actor's name um Cary Grant. <laughs> no, sadly, it's not Cary Grant. Um, Robert Lawrence Newton. Olivier. Uh-huh. Oh, Robert Newton is just amazing in this movie. Um, he he is just a he's a man who comes back from the first war and he just is living with his family and he just kind of plays the plays the fool running throughout this movie. Um, I think my favorite, basically line in this movie is where one of his daughters let's say gets out of line and starts complaining too much and he says look you need to keep that tongue between your teeth and never come out of that bedroom and i couldn't stop laughing at the ridiculousness of it um but he's it's a it's a it's one of those movies and i really enjoyed it i'm happy to go and see what else is going on here and one of the things i remember reading with this movie is that the apparently the big the big thing for this movie is actually coming down to the writer who it was based on a play by Noel Coward, who did a lot of work with um, David Lean early. Apparently a film he did the year after brief encounter is well beloved. So I'm like looking forward to that. Whenever I start watching that one, maybe I'll watch it in the next break between the next podcast. Um, but yeah, so the happy breed, good movie. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, is the newest show on HBO. I don't know if we've all seen um, the premiere episode. If you don't know their sports. I do want to watch it. Lovecraft. It looks Lovecraft look- Country. Yeah. Oh sports. my goodness. I think I really like this show. Um especially as a show that starts out like, the first episode is like an hour and change. It's like an hour and ten minutes. Wait, there's more than one episode that came out? Only one episode, yeah. Oh, you say, the way you said the first episode, you felt like there was a second episode. No, there's no second episode yet. So okay. I've only seen the first episode. That's all it's out. Um, it's like an hour and ten minutes. And most of that hour and ten minutes is spent um, basically letting you know like where we are. We're in 19... 19- I think it's 1950s, um, maybe late 1940s. Um, they're very much still in the Jim Crow era of um, American history. You're dealing with a black family going driving through driving through areas of America that are not safe for them. One of the characters is actually writing the Green Book. If anyone watched that movie, the Green Book, the the book to tell african americas where they can travel safely in the country mm-hmm. and also, also so there's oh, all of that, that where that movie got the name from yeah oh, okay um it's actually a physical book <laughs> that was written that people would um say like this is the good place to stop at if you're a black person if yeah. you're driving through this town um but yeah um like first of all the main actor, Jonathan Majors, who I saw in the film The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and he was also in The Five Bloods, um, he continues to be amazing in everything I'm seeing. And I, I love his acting. I love, I love what he does. Um, and it continues here, even though this, mo- this show is more of like, oh, look, they're monsters. Let's be afraid all the time. Um, it's, it's in that same style that all of these 
HBO shows are going. And then by the end of the episode, when we see them monsters, like I am sold on this show. Like you spend like 45 minutes in like racism and then monsters appear and then it's great. I mean, there were monsters in the racism part, but there were people monsters, not like Lovecraft monsters. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of articles about how racist Lovecraft himself is, which I'm, yeah. Um, but I'm also happy to see this interpretation of his work and because I know people, people fucking love Lovecraft work for the monster shit. Right. And if we can, is he the same one that wrote Carnival Row? I honestly, I don't know the name of any of his fucking books. Like I know Lovecraft to mean Cthulhu to me. Right. Uh, It was a similar, a similar sort of story where he was super racist and the like monsters or not quite monsters, but fantastical animals were like supposed to be the person. I shouldn't even say personification. That's such a weird way to put it. The um, how he viewed like you know people of color essentially. Oh yeah, I've I've uh, what little skimming I've done. Like he's written those books too. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know the title of that specific book that I that I know. It's something to do with fish people, and that's the representation of like the black. Amazon the, the... actually has a, a TV show for that one with mm-hmm. Orlando Bloom and De- Clara Delavine. It's bad, but I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the show is looks like it's going to be my next show to be watching. Um, Lovecraft Country. Um, while I still wait for Fargo to come back. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I got to talk about. Douglas, what have you been watching? I don't have a lot to talk about. Uh, there's this thing, the NBA playoffs, as well as the Champions League. They are all happening at the same time. And literally, Damien reminded me today that for the next few weeks... We are going to be watching 11 hours straight of basketball every day. So, yeah. Yes, please. (laughs) So, I've watched a few things. I mentioned Bullet in one of our recent reviews. I actually watched Bullet the other day. And I forgot how much I love that movie. It does. It's lost a bit of its sheen because I've now realized some of the old movie-itis things that it, it suffers from. Specifically, that whole you figure out how I jumped from one scenario to another, but I love it. It is legitimately the reason why I adore Steve McQueen, the old white one or the dead white one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I watch a couple other things, but it's more like rewatching, like I rewatch a social. Actually, I do want to kind of talk about the social network. I watched Social Network the other day. Have any of you folks watched that movie recently? Not recently, no. Probably not in a couple of years or so. So, I remember at the time watching this movie, and maybe maybe it's because it was the first time I watched it. I don't think I've watched it many times since. And, you know, you always have some time to, let's say, acclimatize Mm -hmm. to the movie. And... Aaron Sorkin has this way of writing dialogue where you kind of get lost in that 
and don't necessarily pull out and see the broader picture. And I remember there was a lot of controversy, or maybe I shouldn't say it that way. I remember Mark Zuckerberg got upset. Yes. <laughs> For being portrayed as a monster. And I remember at the time thinking things like, yeah, but the movie's so good, and it's funny how horrible he is. Um, but now, after having watched it already, probably once or twice, after having left it alone for a little while and looking at it with fresh eyes, with older and more mature eyes, boy, Aaron Sorkin did not do good by Mark Zuckerberg. It plays as... Uh, uh, it, it plays as a movie where Aaron Sorkin's only agenda is to badmouth Mark Zuckerberg. It's to make him look like a horrible human being. And sadly, I still love this movie. But I don't know that I'll ever watch it again because it does feel a little off, you know? But Let me get this straight. He badmouthed one of the worst people on the planet. <laughs> Is he one of the worst people on the planet? Douglas though? Robinson, how much people's personal information do you need to steal before you're dubbed one of the worst people on the planet? Yeah, but I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. All right, put it this way. It they gather information on of people who are not on Facebook. Say myself. And the only way to get rid of that information would be for me to sign up to Facebook and then ask them to delete it. And he's doing all of this for altruistic purpose. Like, serving me faster results. No. Getting me better goods. No. What I, does I, Facebook do for me? Oh, they bought WhatsApp, so that's good. That means he has even more information on me that I can't delete unless I sign up. And he's doing all of this for some reason that I cannot remember. Um, am, did he get Trump elected? Did he get Trump elected? No, he did not. I am comfortable living in a world mm -hmm. where things are gray, yeah. where... where it's not all necessarily. I I have this evil plan to steal people's Oh, no, no, no. It's not the evil plan no. part. He's doing yeah. this for money. And that is the problem, Douglas. He treats he everything for money. Except, Douglas, there's limits to what I assume you will do. Like treating his staff like hot garbage. No, I, actually, I, I haven't read, read up on that. So if that's the case, okay. yes, that's horrible. But I'm just saying... All over the world. How many people's lives do you need to destroy before I get to safely say you're a bad person? Ten? Ten thousand? Fair enough. Okay. But I, I don't, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be plastered all over my television screen and make me feel like I am joining in bad minding this person. But we'll see. It's, Douglas, it's, no. Douglas, what was his first, what was his first website again? The Facebook.com. No, no, no. The, he did one. He did the face smash thing, right? Well, if that's to be believed, he probably did. But also, that's no, no he did. Hot or, <laughs> um, it, it, hot or not is a thing that still actually exists. 
But anyway. Yes, yes Doug. Right? But so, that is that was okay. No. It was okay then. And so if you build your thing off the back of let's say morally gray decisions, yeah. and then you quadruple down. And then when people say to you, your platform is helping to destabilize governments, and you go, got to give the people what they want, knowing full well, you didn't give a shit. Like, how many countries must complain about Facebook's ability to both hurt democracy <laughs> and hurt no. the people? No, 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 how many that, countries complain about that, that before you go, all right, maybe? Take offense, though. Listen, or not take offense, but I will, I will back up to a certain level. Because, listen, this thing about hurting democracy or, or promoting certain things, yeah. sure, let us try. And he probably hasn't as much as he should because it costs money and, and we live in a horrible world where anything that costs money isn't done. And we can badmind him for that a little bit, but I can understand to a certain degree. But because I have created this thing that allows people to communicate more freely and, more freely and to get messages out to a, a lot, a mass of people mm-hmm. just because that exists and then somebody decides I am going to abuse that system to put forward horrible messages I'm not saying he shouldn't try and stop it and he probably hasn't tried as hard as he should but you can't just simply say yo, fuck that guy oh. <laughs> I, I can say when there's repeated evidence of him finding out these things and going, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that exists? <laughs> Look, Douglas, there's people... So, there's people in the world where I would be more likely to fall on your side. Uh, say, Sundar way, Pichai I'm from... Sure it's clear. I'm not saying he's a particularly yeah. good person. Doug, yes, but Douglas, what I'm saying is there's people... like. Everyone hates Bezos, and they, oh, have, no, I love Bezos. they have a lot of rights to hate he that man. <laughs> and the people what run Microsoft and any big company, there's reasons to hate them. Mm-hmm. But Douglas, and this is crucial, <laughs> most of them don't have evidence out in the public when people come to them and go, yo, don't do this because reasons. And you go, Fuck yourself. <laughs> like, he is portrayed as a character. Like, there's some exa- exaggerations in his portrayal. But, Douglas, everyone around him has said, it's close enough. <laughs> oh, fuck that. But either way, right? I'm, I'm not arguing about him as a person. Yes. I'm just saying it was, I found it a little intense mm-hmm. watching it. By the way, I still do. I still did enjoy watching that movie every bit as much as I did the first time. But there was just something about something about it that that caught me the wrong way this time. <laughs> but I still did enjoy the movie, uh, and that's probably as much as I should talk about. I watched Mary Poppins number two again. Loved the, that that movie. It's so childish, obviously. That's who it's made for, but it's also made for me. And I have a bit of a confession to make. So, Andrew, you watched somebody with cucumbers in sauce on HBO. 
which is probably better than what I did on HBO. <laughs> I too. <laughs> took me a while for it to get where you were going with cucumbers. <laughs> but go I, ahead. Yeah, I too have been watching something on HBO Max. And I don't know how I got down this rabbit hole, but I actually started watching from the beginning The Big Bang Theory again. How dare you? Yeah, I know. I know. We've agreed that show is awful. I know. And it like, is not even not even awful in the sense that it is bad content. It is just awful. Like everything about it. Yeah. And it's reprehensible. So that show, the fact that that show existed when it did, which would have been maybe, I think, 06-ish, 07-ish, 05-ish, somewhere around there, in that format is, it's almost like a little time capsule into what TV used to be. It has all of the broad jokes. It has people pausing or pauses being written into the show because it was, whether it was or wasn't filled in, in front of a studio audience, they had the laugh tracks. It has them on a set that didn't, was stagnant because it was just there for them to, to, to use as the apartment or the walkway or whatever. It has what television was in the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, back in the day. And that's really strange to watch. It also has some topics and some jokes and some, some folk, the way that folks operate in this show that definitely cannot work nowadays anymore. <laughs> and they forgive a lot that probably should not be forgiven. And that that is like a strange. But It also, also, while watching it, remember what made me keep watching it, made me like it. And as much as I would say 80% of me, which is operating with my mind, doesn't like the show and wants to stop, there is a piece deep down in my heart that for some reason laughs every at every other joke especially when jim parsons jim sheldon is involved this show is weird comfort food i don't know what to tell you but i started this weekend today is tuesday i started technically i didn't start on saturday but on Saturday, I think I was maybe three episodes into the first season. I am now a halfway through the third season. You're a monster. And I'm still going. It also helps that this is, even half an hour shows nowadays aren't as short as these shows. These shows are 20 minutes and done. And a chunk of the 20 minutes is credits at the end. This show is so bite-sized, it's not even funny. Uh, but, but yeah, I have gotten weirdly into that. But that's it. 
I expect your apology by next podcast. Well, by next podcast, I would have probably reached where I stopped and um, gave up and said, no mass. And then I'll be able to apologize and remember how uh, exhausting it became. (laughs) Because as much as you're here playing the scolding parent, you were right there with me. Andrew. No, I'm 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 with you. I get you. But I also like had that like light go off in my head and went, no. <laughs> and I'm not going back. <laughs> um so yeah. You know, it's about growth, Douglas. I'm not re- <laughs> you are the one who's regressing right now and I'm scolding you for that. Right? <laughs> not for having watched it at some point in your life. Ay, ay, ay. So Douglas, you're a bad person. <laughs> Douglas, you're a terrible person. <laughs> I am in full agreement with Andrew. I almost wasn't going to talk about it. Yes, it's exactly. you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't yeah. have. Because you know, you know deep down, yeah, know. it is wrong. I know it is. <laughs> um, so, Damien, mm-hmm. what do you have to talk to us about? Uh, I didn't have internet for a couple of days. And so I watch movies with those days because there's no sports. Um, every day that I had internet, I watch sports. So those don't help with this podcast. Um, Douglas would be proud of me. I watched uh, Night's Tale. Yay! And then I watched... Uh, okay. D- Andrew will be proud of me. I watched Escape from Alcatraz. Good oh, boy. Really? Okay. And then I watched 310 to Yuma. Damien would be proud of yeah. me. I watched yeah. 310 The old started, one or the new one? The new one. The new okay. one I've always wanted to watch the old one. Yeah. I still uh, haven't tried it yet. Ben Foster is so young in that movie. Yeah, but he's so good. He's so good. Oh boy, he's so good. Um and then okay. I think my well phone done, just yeah. what the my, shit was that? I think my phone just had a heart attack. <laughs> so I started watching that movie one night on Hulu. But it's technically not on Hulu. What it is, is it's on Stars, which mm-hmm. I also have as a premium add-on to Hulu. Of course you do. And weirdly, for some reason, it doesn't have... It's, it's almost as if they didn't upload the file properly to Hulu. It's like Hulu videotaped it off of Stars, and the quality is bad, so I had to stop like 10 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Like, literally, when I press play, it started in the credits of whatever movie was playing before. And I had to fast forward it to get to watch 310 to Yuma. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand what Hulu was. Hulu definitely had a, a, a glitch moment when it did this 310 to Yuma business for me. I'm so glad you told me it's on Stars because that means I can watch it through Crave. And I've ah. just searched it and it's there. <laughs> Anyways, Damon. Yes, and the final thing I watched was the thing I think I sent to you people in the WhatsApp group. I watched Rare Window with my mother, and that movie is even better than when we saw it the first. Like, that movie is one of those movies that gets better with time. Because once you, once you get rid of the old movie-itis, which there's some, not a lot, but there is some, and you can just focus on just how how elaborate the setup of that movie is and just how much work and time must have gone into crafting that movie 
because at any point that movie could have fallen to pieces. Um, but it's so very good. Damien, I'll give you that a movie's good, but question. Is mm-hmm. it as good as Disturbia? Because I don't think so. I'm sorry? You, probably, it probably isn't. No man, there's a problem with there's a problem with the audio from Douglas's end a while ago. He said it's better than and then there's just a lot of static. I don't was know. Was it Andrew that used to say that rubbish? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but you see, he was young then. And we have to give <laughs> young people up. Listen, you can't blame people for things they did in the past. At least that's what Donald Trump says. Somebody we used to have that joke. Yeah. But Andrew said no, that. I don't Andrew used to like that movie though. Yeah, Andrew's the one that used to like say crazy things like that. As a joke for Christmas once because he hated it. Yeah. No? I can't remember. Anyway, whatever it is. Listen, the joke is more important than reality. So yeah. the truth is Andrew loves Disturbia and we mock him all the time. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, I don't remember why I hate their Zachary. I know I hate it. But what is more important is that Andrew thought he was better than Batman, and that is all I care about at this point. It's still better than Batman. I know you're wrong, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, yeah, that's and and then sport like it's. I didn't get Olympics, but this is almost almost crucially as good because they've just condensed all of the yeah. good sports together all at once and so i'm just watching sports all day which is what i would have done with olympics and i will say this much for sports or for a particular sport we are now getting used to watching sports without fans which is kind of strange and you try and hand wave it away because at least you get in sports and that's how i deal with it in my mind but the NBA, because it's such a confined area, they're essentially doing it in gyms, because they have a lot of people on the sidelines, whether it's subs, coaching staff for both teams, plus people to sweep the, the fucking floor and shit like that. There actually are a few real people as you pan across. And as stupid as it is, that huge screen with the virtual fans does kind of give you a a weird fake version of fans which is the best that anybody's ever done i still do put forward that somebody needs to put in a huge arena where they're playing football or some sport of that just a number of and i've forgotten what the technical term is but a number of those dancing things at tire stores or at used car salesmen that just go across and wave across and that will make me laugh to know okay indeed that's the best I can do as a follow up I don't know what to say (laughs) (laughs) I think this is the best place for us to outro so I'm just gonna like run that in there it's been a fun podcast and it's been two hours almost exactly Oh my god, we didn't actually go for hours like we've been doing for the last few. No. The, I mean, the two movies we talked about were... We, we tried our best. I mean, we did go like over an hour on those two movies. Yeah, and that's the best we could have done. <laughs>